Episode of Sean Neds Do Baseball. I'm Sean. And I'm Ed. And we're bringing you some baseball history. That's right. We're a bi-weekly baseball history podcast where the story catcher doesn't know what the story pitcher is going to be on the mound throwing them. That's right. That's dangerous. It's dangerous. <laughs> it's a bad metaphor. It is a bad metaphor. It would never happen. It would never happen. Um, <laughs> trying to cross you up. Yeah, yeah. But uh, as I say, it's... A- it's good enough for us. It's yeah. good enough. Uh, We're so not we we tell some baseball history stories here. Uh, Edzie is going to be telling us a wonderful story today. I have no idea what he's about to tell us for the next half hour to hour. I don't know. Uh, but before then, hour, I'm thinking. Okay. Well, before then, uh, give us a follow on the old social medias. We're at doing baseball on twitter i'm at sean do baseball and i'm at ed's do baseball that's right and we have instagram at doing dot baseball and uh tiktok doesn't have that much content right now we're gonna work on that but anyway it's at doing baseball as well yeah i need that login um so uh (laughs) if you uh wherever you're listening thanks so much for listening and give us a follow give us a review uh, we are getting some great story ideas being sent in as well. Uh, a lot of great stuff. So anything like that, interact with us. But a review, a rating would be fantastic. Uh, and we're going to keep bringing you baseball history. Yes, once again, thanks for listening. Yeah. So, Edzy, before we start today, uh, we will talk about our sponsor it's very quickly. sponsor, Two Loons. Two Loons. Two what does Two Loons do? Two Loons is a brewery. Two Loons is a brewery. Heart and soul. Yeah, yeah. Hardworking Two Loons IPA available now in Ontario at LCBOs. Uh, I've also seen, uh, you know, some of their Cascales and stuff available at some some special bars and stuff. They're they're doing some great events and whatnot, too. So go to Two Loons and and check them out. And more importantly, uh, pick up their beer anytime you see it. So twoloonsbrewing.com. Uh, must be legal drinking age and... Of course, enjoy responsibly. That's right. All right, Edzie. I'm, I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm very ready. I'm going to crack you two loons. Okay, crack it open. All right, here we go. Um, this story, Sean, it's, it's, it's kind of a long story. It could have been a much longer story. This was the one that I was kind of talking about earlier in the season about, you know, it was probably, it was turning into a bit of a quagmire. Yes. It turned into such a quagmire that I kind of ended up reworking this into a long, probably single story. Okay. Which may or may not lead into a second story at some point. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. We're going to jump right into it, I guess. Okay? Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, so I guess that's better than the opposite happening when you have a really good story, but you just can't find enough. That's true. That's true. So <laughs> Yeah, there's just way too much to this. See, all right. Well, you're making it concise, so I'm excited. So, uh, let's get going. Okay, you ready? So, our story this time begins all the way back in 1892 at Wakona Park in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. A working class town nestled in the Berkshire Mountains. Wakona Park opened on August 9th, 1892 for a game between the Albany Guises Mm -hmm. and a hometown Pittsfield team. Mm -hmm. About 500 people turned out to see the homers win 12 to 1. 
it's a spanking. Yeah, it's a pretty good spanking. Uh, the modern form of the stadium holds 4,500 seats and was constructed in 1919 and is one of the last remaining ballparks in the United States with a wooden grandstand. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this isn't the, it's not the only place that has this, but to boot, it's got a dirt parking lot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just kind of turn. We've been to a place that has a dirt parking lot. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a great, great place to just hang out and, you know, yeah. kick up some dirt at the after the game and celebration. <laughs> Your dog is all over me. Yeah. He is. <laughs> it's all wanna, right. I got it. I got you it. You got it? Okay. Daniel O'Kent wrote a special piece for Sports Illustrated in 1990. Just a little bit of heaven. Pittsfield's Wakona Park is baseball as it ought to be. And he said, quote, there's no better place to watch baseball. I am a baseball traditionalist. It feels like baseball close to its roots and close to what I grew up with. There is something about the simplicity and the community feeling at Wakona. Nobody misbehaves. It's a happy place. Wonderful. It's just a dirt parking lot of love and baseball. Yeah. It's just a purist's heaven. Yeah, it has the three necessary ingredients for a great ballpark. Intimacy, character, and an evocation of the past. The park's dimensions, expectedly quirky, offer a balance. The grandstand is as close to the plate as the pitcher, which is a great experience for the fans, and not so much for the pitcher, as there's, there's no easy pop fouls. Um, but it was offset by the 434 foot Death Valley in right center. Uh huh. So, which was a gift to the pitchers. Um, most famously, the park was built before lights, and there was not much thought given to the sunset. So, the park was built east west, and so as a result, for 10 minutes, play is suspended for a sun delay <laughs> each night as the sun sets over the batter's eye. Okay, so the sun goes directly behind, so there's like 10 minutes where hitting is absolutely impossible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's an amazing quirk of this ballpark is they have a sun delay. That would be amazing. As, as, a, as a pitcher, you'd be like, all right, boys, let's go three up, three down. I want to get back out there just yeah. right before the sun delay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wakona Park played host to many home tenants over the years. Or bef- sorry, many home tenants before the years that our story takes place. Uh, the Pittsfield Electrics were an Eastern Association club from 1913 to 14, and then the Pittsfield Hillies were in the Eastern League from 1919 until 1930. And then there was a team in the Canadian American League, which went under three different names over the course of 10 years. Uh, from 1941 to 48, they were the Pittsfield Electrics. And then from 49 and 50, they were the Pittsfield Indians. And then for 51, they were the Pittsfield Phillies. Okay. Okay. I like the electrics. Yeah, I like that thing. It just doesn't make sense either. No. (laughs) We're the electrics. You're electric? No, electric. It's plural. There's multiple of us. Electricians? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, and then they started to get some affiliation, I assume. Uh, they were named after all these teams. So they, once again, were in the Eastern League. And from 1965 to 70 was the Pittsfield Red Sox were the tenants. Yeah. And then the Pittsfield Senators in 70 and 71. The Pittsfield Rangers from 72 to 75. Pittsfield Brewers in 76. And then the Pittsfield Cubs from 85 to 88. Okay. And then New York Penn League comes to town. 
Okay, so it's right. like step down, I guess, from Eastern League. But New York Penn League has its own little yeah, still aura. Affi- still and, affiliated. Oh, yeah. Club. It's just, it's low A instead of yes. double A. Yes. So from 89 to 2000, they're the Pittsfield Mets. Mm-hmm. And and then briefly in 2001, the Pittsfield Astros. And and this is when our story starts to take place. In 2001? 2001. Okay. Okay. So at this point, owner Bill Gladstone was moving his Class A New York Penn League franchise to Troy, New York, where they had built a new stadium to lure the team into relocation. Now, Wakona may have been too small by league standards, and so they were leaving, as I said, after the 2001 season. Mm -hmm. And fun fact, they moved to Troy and became the Tri-City Valley Cats. Who we saw. We saw, yeah, we saw play Batavia. Yes, Yes. And that was New York. Was that New York Penn League? That was Penn League, yeah. Okay, yeah. I definitely knew we had gone One to a One of the Penn last League. years of the Penn League. I don't think the Penn League, New York Penn League exists anymore. I think you're right, yeah, which I'm is pretty, awful. Yeah, that's terrible. Uh, so proponents of a new stadium in Pittsfield use this to alarm people, as they do, mm-hmm. saying, quote, there'd never be baseball again without a new ballpark at taxpayer expense. Oh, where have we heard this one before? <laughs> yeah. so the berkshire eagle which is the only daily newspaper lobbied for a new stadium to be built on land that it owned at its headquarters in the middle of town so the newspaper's like yo just use our use our lot yeah we ain't doing shit with it yeah yeah you know probably up the property value a little bit i'd say well i think it would up the property but i think i think right it's kind of like a protest right like they're they're kind of being like are they asking to do it for profit, or are they are they being like, no, don't use taxpayer funded money, just use our shit? Oh no, they're they're saying build something on our land with taxpayer money. <laughs> okay, I got them completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, okay, so so there's a so there's the media news group of Denver, uh-huh. which is the Eagles' parent owner, Company. and then there's the Berkshire Bank. And law firm Canaan, Hibbard, Myers and Hook, and the, some local businessmen had all formed a coalition to move the project along. Okay. And they called themselves Berkshire Sports and Events. Uh huh. And they claimed to assemble $18.5 million in state grants, revenue bonds, and corporate donations for a new stadium. So they got all this tax money and stuff, right? So, hooray, I guess, right? Hooray, yeah. Wrong. The people of Pittsfield don't want a new stadium. They don't need no stinking new stadium. No. The people of Pittsfield love Wakona Park. Uh-huh. And in fact, in 1997 and 1999, they voted to renovate the classic ballpark. Uh-huh. And council ignored them both times. Well, yeah, democracy <laughs> is just a word, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I mean, when, when at what point did... did I mean, did we ever have it? I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyways, continue. <laughs> so, as I said, the council ignored them both times, and look what happened. They, they lost their team eventually. You know? Exactly. They couldn't keep up with the Joneses of the league, and they lost their team because their stadium wasn't up to standards. Anyway, summer of 2000, opponents of the new stadium petitioned to counter the efforts of Berkshire Sports and Events. From this point on, known as BSNE. BSNE, got okay. it. Once again, council ignores its constituency 
and votes eight to three in favor of a motion to request that the state of Massachusetts authorize the creation of a civic authority to build and operate the stadium, which also included eminent domain. In the case that some homes or businesses needed to be demolished to make way for the new ballpark. Okay, yeah, just just why that's way more important than houses. Yeah, and there's the there's there's an old lady named Anne Leaf. Oh, she's an artist, uh-huh. and she's got a place in the area. She's she's part of the group that's lobbying against the new stadium because she's gonna lose her home. Well, yeah, yeah. that would I mean yeah. of of things to put you on one side or the other of, <laughs> yeah. of, yeah. <laughs> of yeah. a matter. I mean that's a pretty big uh, deal breaker. I mean I love baseball. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and if, they, if 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 the Blue Jays were going to build their new stadium on my house and and not give you anything for yeah, it, yeah, and like <laughs> use some government loophole to just be like it's critical infrastructure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so. Anyway, so the town charter mm-hmm. um, has has a clause in it that if, if the opponents of the stadium, or the naysayers, as the Berkshire Eagles calling them, mm-hmm. uh, can collect enough sig- signatures, yeah. they can halt the creation of the civic authority under Section 44A mm-hmm. of the town charter. So they hit the streets again, and they're believed to need... 3,350 signatures to stop this from happening. And they get 4,781. Okay, so they're good. Yeah, so as I said, the people don't want the new stadium. Yeah, they're good with their old stadium. They're just like, renovate it. Remember when you asked us to vote about it and we voted? (laughs) And you didn't do it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... uh, However, in a municipal hearing, city officials and the BS&E group challenged the petition. The hearing resulted in the fact that the anti-authority group would need 4,500 names on a newly worded petition within just two weeks. Oh, so they're like, well, the wording for this was technically illegal based on this and this subset. So you need to do this all over again, and now you have less time to do it. That's right. Well, that's, that's some slimy shit. Yeah, so the naysayers hit the streets again, and with no time to spare... Or sorry, the naysayers hit the streets again with no time to spare. Literally no time no to spare. No time to spare. <laughs> but managed to gather fifty two hundred and twenty six <laughs> signatures this time with a day to spare to boot. Yeah, go fuck you. We could have got to fifty five hundred. We decided to sleep. Yeah, we we, we went for pancakes. We were the like, next we're day. good. We shut her down. Shut yeah. it down. Shut boys. it down. Shut it down, everyone. <laughs> we're good. So thus, the civic authority was overturned, which meant that the matter would be settled by referendum. Set for June 5th, 2001. <laughs> Haven't we done this already? <laughs> okay. Okay. So? So, enter one of the Berkshire's more famous residents. Jesus Christ. Francis. Settled down. <laughs> Baseball's redeemed pariah and working class hero. A man in this setting who was first thought to be some sort of expert on the Yankees and Red Sox process. But now had his status downgraded to... Quote, guy who lives on the hill. And returning character to this podcast. Oh, no. Jim Boughton. Okay. Okay? Jimmy. Jim Boughton's back. Yeah. So, 
you know, just quickly on uh, to to rehash about Jim Bout. We have a we have another episode, episode on, on, on Bouton. On ball four, basically, right? Well, not so much about ball four, but like there's there's it's there's, on parts of it, but we yeah. really just touch upon the character yeah, of, of Jim Bouton and how he And how his book caused controversy. Yes. 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 We'll, we'll get, I'll get to that in a second. Yep. So Jim Bouton was born March eighth, nineteen thirty nine. So happy birthday, Jim. Oh my God! Yeah, happy birthday! Happy birthday, Jim. I mean, he's passed away now, but happy birthday, Jim. I <laughs> didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's passed away a few years ago. Uh-huh. So he's born in uh, March eighth, nineteen thirty-nine, in Newark, New Jersey, and grew up a fan of the New York Giants. Jim even recalled the exact moment he wrote, "Quote: My dad just back from the war was digging a dry well in front of our house in Rochelle Park. Who's your favorite team, Dad?" I asked. The Giants, he said. Simple as that. <laughs> Mine now, too. Yeah. So he, he attended Western Michigan University and got on the baseball squad with some help from some anonymous letters sent to the school by his father singing his praises. Okay. Do you remember that? Not really, but... He sent... He, his father sent some letters pretending to be a fan of Western Michigan. Oh, was like, this guy this at high school could really help our team. <laughs> Signed a Western Michigan fan. Nah. You know? I mean, Billy, real name. <laughs> yeah. Which is also how he ended up in the majors. His, when, when the scouts would come yeah. around, his dad had the letterheads of other teams with fake letters scattered yeah. everywhere. Look at how many offers he has. Yeah. Hurry up and decide by Thanksgiving. We got shit to do. <laughs> you know. So, anyway, he made his MLB debut in 1962 after spending three years in the minors and won two World Series with the Yankees in 62 and 64. Went 39 and 20 between 63 and 64 and was an all-star in 63. But his numbers fell off, and by 1969, he found himself on the expansion Seattle Pilots when he started writing Ball Four which became his most famous contribution to the baseball canon as it shed light upon the world of baseball, which had previously attempted to garner a perfect image and sell the players as infallible. Yeah, they were doing nothing but good stuff back in the 70s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he became somewhat of a pry at the time, and Bowie Kuhn, the commissioner, attempted to make Bouton sign a statement disclaiming the stories of Ball Four. And by the time the second edition came out in 1980, he had been granted a comeback attempt with the Braves by Ted Turner. And then he landed in the independent Northwest League's Portland Mavericks, where one day teammate Rob Nelson, along with bat boy Todd Field, came up with the idea for Big League Chew, which Jim pitched to the Wrigley Company. Was that in that episode? No. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well. Yeah, there's a little fun fact about Jim Pouton. Yeah. Helped invent Big League Chew. There we go. Which apparently, in the first stages, they they kept it brown. Oh, yeah. You gotta have brown. <laughs> Disgustingly brown. <laughs> which didn't brown. test well. He says in, in yeah, I think it's in ball for him. He's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, apparently mothers didn't want their kids spitting gum juice all over the house. <laughs> We're gonna make this gum really juicy. So there's just gobs of, like, brown resin just coming out of the kid's mouth. <laughs> Apparently that was the first round of Big League 2 Didn't test well I don't don't know why (laughs) So so after that he enjoyed a pretty Successful career as a freelance Writer, broadcaster and public speaker He became interested in Masonry constructing a mortar free Stone wall on their property In New Jersey And Boughton was a great family man He had two children with his first wife Bonnie, Michael and Lori 
and also adopted a Korean boy who had been orphaned. Does he have a name? Yep. As a child, he was raised as Kyungjo, okay. and then later asked to go by David. All right. I guess when he went to school, he he was like, all the other kids have these yeah, Americanized I names. Mean, I want an American name. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not rare that that happens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then tragically, in 1997, Lori was lost in a car accident at the age of 31, and it really affected Jim and slowed him down. After years of being left out by the Yankees on Old Timers Day, some speculate due to the stories regarding Mantle, Bouton's son Michael penned an open letter in the New York Times addressed to the Yankees in which he described the pain his father felt by the death of his sister and by creating the juxtaposition by telling the story of Yogi Berra's self-imposed exile with Jim's de facto banishing. It put the Yankees under public pressure to invite the bulldog back, and they did. So, that's just, you know, a little, that's, a, that's, that's just a little aside about, you know, kind of recapping. But Bowden's living in this town now. Is, yeah, is but, that what you're saying, yes. essentially? Yeah, Bowden's moved to the Berkshires in his, in his retirement years. Yeah, so he's just chilled. He's, uh, he's obviously had a loss, and a few years later, now he's just the, the baseball, former baseball star and writer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we sort of illustrated in the first episode, someone who won't take no for an answer and someone who, like, constantly sort of goes against the grain. Mm -hmm. So he hears about this story about this ballpark that, mm. you know, the, 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 the political class of, of Pittsfield are trying to push this new stadium to be built with taxpayer money. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I know a bunch of rich guys. We can, we well, can fix it up. Exactly. So, as I say, Boughton wondered why couldn't Wakona be fixed up. And if it was true that Wakona Park was beneath the exacting requirements for Major League-affiliated status, perhaps it could still be home to an independent league franchise. Yeah, sure. So, Boughton only went to the park a couple times a year, but described the park fondly as a window into the past time. So, Jim, for fun, calls his friend Chip Elitzer. Chip is Jim's buddy that those couple times a year would go with him to Wakona Park. Yeah. So Jim would go with his wife, Paula, and Chip would bring his wife, Cindy, and their boys, Daniel, Sam, and Jacob. And fun fact, Jim and Chip also built a treehouse together. That's very fun. And not just any treehouse. Oh, dear. It's one of those Swiss Family Robinson-type jobs that belongs in Architectural Digest, according to Jim in his book foul ball okay <laughs> so it's just like it's got like monkey butlers and like rope swings from one That's tree right. to another that's and right yeah yeah it's just so like it's, a, a super suave the point is it's a huge undertaking so yeah. if they can if they can build this this tree house surely they can renovate what listen i built a f my own little sex mansion in a tree <laughs> <laughs> i can take care of a ballpark it's field don't worry about it. <laughs> So most importantly, though, Chip was an investment banker. That's probably more important. Yes. <laughs> so the two friends, sharing similar affection for the local Relic ballpark, came to the conclusion that if they could find some investors, they could fix up Wakona Park, buy an independent ball club to play their home games there, and in turn save baseball and life as we know it in Pittsfield. 
That's a bit. And like, yeah. yeah, okay. Well, that's the way the newspapers are kind of uh, are yeah, shaping no, it up mean, in the other direction. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's clearly this, this baseball diamond has turned into a battle of like autonomy between the public and the government. Yes. <laughs> yes. They may have even been able to make a little money for themselves. But the two would need some seed money. So they got in touch with one of Chip's friends, Eric Marginot, who owned a few minor league teams already. And Eric told them, quote, there are a number of dormant franchises we could buy once we have a place to play. So now it's the three amigos, Jim, Chip, and behind the scenes, Eric. Well, you had a pretty good consortium there. You got like a money guy, mm-hmm. a former player, and a guy that already owns multiple franchises. Yeah. Like that's pretty good. Like yeah, what? that's a-, a dream team. Exactly. <laughs> what more do you want? Uh, so Jim and Chip talked more about the park plan, and the more they did, the more they liked their idea, and they thought the people of Pittsfield had to love it too. I mean, the city of Pittsfield would get a renovated landmark and a professional baseball club at no cost to the taxpayer. Yeah. They even planned to sell stock to local investors so that no one could ever move the team out of town. Cool. Yeah. We got like a Packers situation on yeah. the way. All right. Yeah. 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 So according to Boughton, it was their other partners that needed some convincing in order for them to embark on this undertaking. Jim's wife, Paula, worried, quote, that Jim doesn't know how to do anything halfway. And Cindy, Chip's better half, also voiced concerns, saying, quote, I'm afraid you guys are going to get sucked into a quagmire. And Chip, so Chip is an investment banker with a decent income, but on the other hand, had an ailing father and three boys to put through college. And despite the years of haggling in the majors, Jim had only earned an average of $19,000 per year in his playing days, writing, quote, I lacked the foresight to be born in a time when I could have earned $19,000 per inning per year (laughs) instead of per year. (laughs) He's got a point, but... So basically the point, as Paula noted, was that, quote, we can't afford to have Jim spending all of his time on something that doesn't produce income. Yeah, he's well. He's well. I, I don't know how old he is at this point, but he's got to be like somewhat retired. Yeah, he'd be but, he'd be about sixty. But also, like, I think also she's like, oh no, he's gonna spend her life savings <laughs> yeah. on this yeah. fucking because he doesn't do anything half-assed. We have like four hundred thousand dollars in the bank, and he's gonna fucking spend it all, and I'm gonna have to eat beans <laughs> when I'm like ninety. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So the couples made their points back and forth for a couple hours when Paula finally broke first. Quote, well, I know the two of you would have fun doing it, and maybe it's worth it just for that. Perhaps acknowledging the fact that Jim was showing interest in something finally after Lori's passing. Mm -hmm. Cindy conceded as well. Quote, if you really have to do it, guys, then you really have to do it. And it was unanimous. So Jim gets really excited because here's an opportunity to go against the grain. And we know how much Jim loves that. Of course. So he wrote, quote, In the end, we had no choice. Here was an opportunity not only to save an old ballpark, but to turn the system upside down. A system that extorts taxpayer dollars to build stadiums for migratory teams. We'd replace the same old threat with a brand new offer. We'll spend private dollars to renovate an existing ballpark for a locally owned team. Damn right. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Pittsfield was a town at the turn of the millennium in a bit of an economic downturn as well. 
They had been largely abandoned by General Electric in the 80s. Oh, that's why they were the electrics. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. I didn't think of that, but yeah. that makes perfect okay. sense, yes. Well, well, but it's still, it's not the elect... The, anyways, yeah. it's still a weird pluralized version of a word that's not pluralized. Why not the generals? <laughs> anyways, continue. Population had declined by 20% to 42,000. And the town closed a firehouse, cut high school sports, had to turn out streetlights... And as the population aged, Pittsfield struggled in its evolution to a service community from a manufacturing one. Boughton once wrote in his book, quote, Once the center of Berkshire life, Pittsfield, through bad management, poor vision, and corporate wrongdoing, has ceded its status as an economic hub to nearby towns with a corresponding loss of tourism. Things were bad to the point that the city's finances were managed by a state oversight board. <laughs> They're like, you guys keep closing firehouses and trying to build ballparks. Like, yeah. this is not smart. We need someone to step in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, though, no, that is, uh, yeah, that's just, okay. So the things are not going well. They need something to hold on to. Yes. Yeah. So you'd think that the general consensus among the key players in the baseball drama would see the fiscal responsibility at hand, mm -hmm. right? But in fact, the BS&E group and their monopolized bullhorn, the Eagle, continuously made three dire proclamations about their new stadium plan and the impact of its implementation during their Stadium Yes campaign. Stadium Yes campaign. <laughs> yes. Love it. Yeah. There is no alternative plan. There's none. Yes. No. no. This is the only way forward. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Continue. Two, there is no new stadium. I don't think I... Or sorry, no new stadium equals no baseball. Oh. I was oh. distracted by the fact that I didn't think I numbered the first point. <laughs> and then I numbered the second <laughs> There's no stadium. No, no. First point, there's no plan for the other stadium. Second, there's no stadium. No, so there's no, they're basically just like, no, it's just baseball's banned if, if, if we don't get to do <laughs> it's this. It's a footloose situation. It's a footloose. <laughs> it, 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 trust me, you don't, you, we will go there and you don't want us to. We don't want to. Yeah. And Jim Bowden's Kevin Bacon in this situation. <laughs> that is yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Three. It's about economic development, not a new stadium per se. <laughs> this is not about... Number one and two are all about baseball and how important baseball is to us. Number three, look, it's not about baseball. <laughs> it's just about making money. <laughs> and you'll make some money, we'll make a lot of money, and the town will lose what? But once again, baseball. <laughs> yep. yep. So that's what the Eagles say. But, accord, but the truth, according to Chip and Jim, mm -hmm. was that, one, they had an alternate plan. That's true. Two, Pittsfield didn't need a new stadium to keep baseball in Pittsfield. Well, if they had fucking done what the people had asked them to do in, like, 99, yeah. yeah that's true. But uh, at the end of the day, like, they don't need to have affiliated baseball. They can get an independent team in there, no problem. Well, goddamn, like, yeah, who's saying you need a minor league baseball? Is minor league baseball, a, a, like, just your new industry? You're going to be doing that 365 days a year, fucking 24-hour shifts at the ballpark? That's what they're trying to sell it as, yeah. anyway, yeah. 
And three, if it truly was about economic development, then a new baseball stadium made no sense whatsoever. <laughs> no. As we've been kind of talking about. I mean, I guess, so what, what, how they turn this around is they're like, well, people are going to have to, like, be construction workers and da 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 da. Uh -huh. And then there's going to be restaurants and then people are going to go and check out and they're going to buy all this shit, which they're right. Right, but people are mad because it's their tax dollars, and they're like, "Why don't you build a bridge? Why don't you like give the restaurants a bailout after COVID? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, why don't you? We don't need. I mean, well, that's nowadays. <laughs> it's but it, yeah, now we realize we're talking about the past. But anyways, <laughs> you, and people get mad because they're just like, "No, like we understand economically, this is a good thing, but like there's lots of ways to spend this mm -hmm. money mm -hmm. that would be economically good." It's just what Jim and Chip wondered. What sense was there to? spending 18 and a half million dollars to build a venue to be used for three months a year and in turn dooming an historical landmark when in their opinion at least the money could be better spent on an indoor arena that could be used year round yeah. drawing many more spectators than a summer ball diamond so Jim and Chip decide that instead of working with the naysayers who are the opponents of the new stadium. Mm -hmm. They attempt to keep their enemies closer, as they say, and schedule a meeting with Berkshire Sports and Events. I'm so excited. <laughs> Very intriguing. They figured these businessmen would understand the logic of their alternative plan, and that maybe it might be rather easy. Jim could delight them with old sports stories as Chip talked the numbers. So, February 7th, 2001, they meet with BSNE, which is four months from the referendum. The two of them arrived first and started strategizing, Jim and Chip. Keep in mind, the meeting had been set up by a lawyer friend of Jim's, and they figured that BSNE wouldn't even bother if they weren't a little bit in, at least a little bit intrigued, right? That's got a point, yeah. So Jim and Chip strategized to stroke the egos of the men within the coalition and let them take credit for what they were calling, quote, Plan B. So now the BS&E guys are starting to arrive. The owner of the place is shaking all their hands, greeting them warmly as they arrive one by one. In the group, we have Andy Mick, who's the publisher of the Berkshire Eagle newspaper. Tom Murphy was the director of community development. Mike Thiessen was a stadium finance consultant. Jay Pomeroy was global communications manager for General Electric Plastics. Okay. He needs to be there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Mick Callahan, who owned an outdoor sign business. Well, good old Mick. They just yeah. they met Mick at the coffee shop on yeah. the way in. He's going to come and join us, Jim. I hope you don't mind. He's a big fan. <laughs> and... There was no representative from the Berkshire Bank that day, but they were also part of this group, right? So all the men seemed genuinely happy to meet Jim and Chip, with the exception of Andy Mick, and they thought maybe this will be easier than they anticipated. But then the BS&E dudes started talking. They started talking as though a new stadium would be a godsend to the city of Pittsfield as they've been saying in the newspaper this mm -hmm. whole time. It would be a multi-use facility that would host outdoor movies, trade shows, ice skating in the winter, festivals, markets, bazaars, concerts, and Boy Scout campouts. Wow. I mean, camping out in the outfield, yeah. in the middle of Pittsfield. Yeah. <laughs> you might see a bear. 
<laughs> you had you had a similar reaction to Jim. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and of course, none of these could suffer the indignity of being hosted by Wakona, which, according to the studies held by BSE, was decrepit, a money pit, and altogether a lost cause past its prime and not worth saving. They all took turns making their point to the benefits of a new park, but Murphy did most of the talking. But Callahan spoke to the benefit to the local businesses, which I'm just going to personally say you should kind of take that with a grain of salt, coming mm-hmm. from the guy who makes outdoor signs. Yeah. <laughs> he stands to benefit a lot from... <laughs> Look, I'm just an impartial judge yeah. here. <laughs> In no I mean, maybe. I mean, I'll bid for the contract for the stadium, the outfield fence, the outlining, the banners, all that stuff. I'm going to make a lot of money. Aren't you the only sign guy in town, Mick? No. That's right. It's my slogan. Only sign guy <laughs> in town. But I'm 100% independent on this. I'm 100%. You really need to think about the locals. Local people. Think about a local guy. Maybe he's sitting in front of you. That, that could make a whole bunch of money from this. <laughs> <laughs> Not me, though. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> so Thiessen talked money. That's the consulting guy. And Pomeroy from General Electric was generally just a cheerleader. Apparently, Jim at one point asked Pomeroy, like, what are you even doing here? <laughs> Not, not in like, not in such. Yeah, a, but, yeah know, not, totally, not, you know, totally. Like, not in such a snide way, yeah. but like you know, it was like, so what's your business here, Jay? And he was like, I just love baseball. <laughs> just bullshit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so Jim felt like the coalition didn't take them too seriously, and that they were just two more to be won over. And finally, after patiently waiting for their turn to speak, Jim and Chick asked, "What's wrong with Wakona Park?" The BS and E boys rattled off a list of issues. The parking lot floods in the rain. Mm-hmm. It's dirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's dirt. <laughs> Turns to mud. The plumbing was faulty at best. The locker rooms were cramped and had no exercise facilities. And the sun shone into the batter's eyes, causing sun delays. Yeah, I mean, that, Which, that's kind of... That is an issue. I'm well, it would halt that. the game for as many as ten minutes. Well, I mean... How can that be fixed though? Anyways, I'm I'm not I'm not jumping on their side. I'm just that that's the one thing I'll be like, sure, sure, I'll yeah. take it. Well here, let me just let me just argue back here. The two naysayers had their homework finished and argued with equal enthusiasm, citing that the flood might be helped by lowering a dam downstream from the park. Okay, that seems alright. That seems like a lot. That that's a okay, but continue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the facilities could always be renovated. Yeah. And the sun delay was not a problem at all, but in fact a very marketable quirk. I mean, kind of, yeah. You can sell it. You can, you can sell, sell it. This was the only place with a sun delay. All right. All I, right. Mean, I mean, it, it got me. It yeah, got me. I mean, it's kind of... it. Then I, it would wear off. <laughs> I guess so. But you still would but have... But there would be new fans every, yeah, exactly. all the time. But yeah. there, I mean, we're talking like 50 new fans showing up every game to be like, I'm excited for the sun delay! <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else is just like, shut up. Like, I just want to go home. Like, end the basement. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> You're sad, soul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm being real. I'm being real. I'm That's trying true. to be it would, an arbitrator. You're right. It would wear off. Anyway, but I say it's a, var- a very marketable quirk. I agree. Yes. They cited numerous studies that showed there was no economic benefit to having a brand new minor league baseball stadium. 
and once again repeated their wish to restore Wakona Park at no cost to the taxpayer. Pittsfield could then spend the $18.5 million on a completely different reason for tourism in the city. And furthermore, if the money was used to build an arena, they could provide a hockey team to take up tenancy via their partnership with Eric as Marginaux was president of United Sports Ventures that owned four minor league hockey teams and one baseball team. Okay. They claimed to know of two independent league uh, independent leagues that would also be happy to put a team in Wakona. Okay, but they, I mean, that, I guess, all right, well, I guess that that works, but I mean, I, I, I would expect them to spend the $18 million on it, but they're like, well, you could get a whole hockey team and a baseball team. Mm-hmm. That's their argument. Yes. All right. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't, and as you were kind of getting to here, they couldn't figure out why, at the end of the day, these men were so dead set against their idea. Mm-hmm. If these two private investors wanted to, in their eyes, waste their own money on an asset owned by the municipality, why not let them? The men of BS&E, almost as if not hearing Chip and Jim's points at all, launched into a spiel about how fans wanted to watch New York Penn League baseball. Oh, yeah. And also about Pittsfield native son and former local pitching star, Larry Bossidy. Oh, God, Larry. Who was looking to buy a new team for a new stadium. Okay. So, so they're, this is the first they're hearing about this Larry Bossidy guy coming in on this? Yeah. yeah. Oh. And all these guys seem to fawn over Bossidy. Yeah. Who was formerly the Allied Signal CEO and was worth about $70 million. Okay. Yeah. And he was a baseball player? No, I don't. I think just like locally. Oh, okay. It's like, remember when Larry used to strike everybody out for the local softball team? Oh, for now like, he's rich. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I thought I thought Larry was like going to be like. I mean, oh. I, I mean, I didn't look him up. Maybe Larry Bossidy has more pedigree than that. But all right. But nope. anyway, <laughs> but anyway he, he seemed to make seventy million dollars as a CEO of Allied Signal. So yeah. Okay. Anyway, so. Jim and Chip, as a closing argument, made the point that BSE would have a better chance at winning the Civic Authority referendum on June 5th with Plan B than with their tried and defeated plan, but nonetheless, their mantra was repeated. Wakona Park was a waste of money, new stadiums were the wave of the future, and Larry Bossidy had $70 million. He did. When Bossidy was a senior in high school, he had a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. Wow. At a... He what was happened? Uh, he was offered forty thousand dollar contract to pitch for the Tigers. However, when the scout came to Bosti's house with a check, Bosti's mother wouldn't let him in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well, maybe that's a story one day. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so he is a fucking legend. Yeah, okay, okay uh, I like this guy okay. now. He's like, dude, that dude threw ninety five, but then just like went to school and became rich other ways. <laughs> Mom wouldn't let the, sc- the tiger scout in. It was Billy Martin. He was hammered. <laughs> I don't know what this. No, that would have been. That would have been way before the seventies. Yeah, that would have been. Yeah, no, no. I'm just picturing what's a fuck. Uh, I'm missing his name, but what's his name? Shooting like one of the cows. <laughs> Billy Martin. No, no, no. But anyways, it, it Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle. Yeah, that was yeah. the one. He was the other guy. Yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> 
So it's kind of a stalemate, and the men part ways agreeing to give the ideas of the others more thought. It was all very cordial, and the BS&E guys even footed the bill. So the Berkshire Eagle continues to tout the fact that there is no alternative to a new stadium, and once again that no new stadium meant no more baseball. So nothing has changed in their editorials. Mm-hmm. And so Jim decides in order to create a paper trail of sorts to write Andy Mick a letter outlining the plan presented at the North End restaurant. So on March 14th, 2001, Andy Mick called Chip to schedule a meeting and they agreed to have lunch with him and Mick Callahan at a local sushi place. So the sign guy is coming, too, for some reason again. <laughs> well, I feel like he's a bigger part of this <laughs> than we gave him credit yeah. for. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, Andy, looking fiercer than a peregrine falcon, according to Jim, quickly delivered the bad news that BSE was going ahead with their new stadium plan anyways. Yeah, we don't care. And they're like, why did we have to have lunch for this? This guy threw 95. (laughs) (laughs) And then his mother turned the scout away and he got rich anyway. (laughs) Fuck yourself, Jim. Larry (laughs) Bossidy. So Jim Bowen doesn't take no for an answer and offered the suggestion that BSE present Plan B as an alternative and do some market research. So they would have three months before the vote, and they would have the, uh, you know, they would have take the temperature of the people essentially. <laughs> it's gonna be so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and they could go, but he's basically saying like, put both options out there, and then pick whichever one the people like. Go with that, and then you can have. Whatever you want, you know? Yeah, it's almost like a direct democratic way of doing <laughs> yeah, things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they basically argued that you should do this because if if you lose the vote, like, just by going, doubling down with your plan now, then people will just, they'll be like, fuck these guys. You know, like, it doesn't, you won't be able to come back with an alternative plan at that point. Yeah. But now if but right now if you put out both these plans, you'll get you know, one plan. You'll be able to see what people like yeah. and then you'll win. You know, you'll win your civic authority. That makes sense. You know. But Andy Mech, in a displeasured tone, said that they weren't taking plan plan B public. And Chip replied, Well, maybe we'll make it public. Well, I figured at this point, like you gotta be like gaining some public support if you're Chip and, and Bowden. Yeah, but they haven't told. This isn't gone public to anybody yet. This yeah, they're just like they're. This is them and their wives, and their wives are like they're drunk again talking yeah. about the baseball field. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now there's they're a hockey in, team involved. They're this smoking is weed up in the treehouse, and they're fucking <laughs> talking about the ballpark. <laughs> At which point, Andy angrily shouted, "That's blackmail!" Drawing stares from the rest of the patrons. Telling people about stuff publicly is blackmail. I, I don't understand how it's blackmail at all. But Callahan added, you'll only confuse the voters. <laughs> They'll be like, we thought there was only one option. And now, and there's, now two. there's two? I'm so confused. <laughs> Callahan is not giving the people crazy. like, 
I'm going to have to make a sign. I'm going to have to make several signs. <laughs> he's cashing in on the signs yeah. no matter what. Yeah. He's like, this is great. We're going to have an election. I got lots of election signs. <laughs> so Jim and Chip said they'd think about it. And this time they picked up the tab. There's only two guys this time. Okay. So, yep. They weren't afraid of an accusation of blackmail. But there was one reason to keep their mouths shut on plan B. And that was that if BSE did lose the referendum on June 6th, they would have no reason to blame Jim and Chip. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, it just kind of keeps them off on the sidelines. They're totally uninvolved. Right. Yeah. Okay. You know, which is to Jim and Chip's benefit. Yeah. They don't want to, they want to go a little under the radar. Yeah. So a few days later, Chip wrote Andy Mick a letter that explained that they would keep plan B quiet. So as to not confuse the voters. <laughs> and also said that they would call Andy on June 6th, quote, to either congratulate you or to suggest serious reconsideration of plan B. Yeah. So basically at this point, so it's basically plan A or don't. Yes. That's the vote. Yeah. There's no plan A or plan B. No. It's just no. plan A. Which there wasn't going to be anyway. Well, because like, plan B is not they, they technically just, a new thing. Right? No, but. I mean, it's a redoing an old thing. They basically <laughs> just have to present an idea to the public that will, that the public will like. So they'll allow them to create this civic authority. Yeah. Right? No, they need to get, they need to get people behind them. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, and, and Jim and Chip aren't like trying to nest. They're not trying to be the guys they're just being like your plan sucks here's a better plan if you want to win here's the plan you're gonna win with it sounds like they're being quite cooperative yes yeah (laughs) so things as i say they decided to be quiet about it and things were relatively quiet over the next few months and jim and chip returned to their squash games but every once in a while there'd be something in the eagle headlines like Stadium supporters gear up to promote yes vote. All we hear from stadium opponents is negativity. <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> look, these people against it are just saying negative things. It's weird. They have we asked them to say one positive thing. <laughs> and they, they just spat in our face. <laughs> they wouldn't even wouldn't, I asked them if I looked nice. I asked them if they like my shoes. They ain't Nothing. Nothing positive. (laughs) And time to say goodbye to old ballparks. (laughs) You know what's a bane on society in our rotting town? History. Lost its (laughs) industry. (laughs) That old ballpark where people play baseball. (laughs) I hear the parking lot has puddles. (laughs) And mud. Lots of mud. They also had quotes the likes of, quote, if it doesn't pass, said Mayor Doyle, we'll lose the ability to attract minor league baseball to the city. And GE guy and baseball fan, Jay Pomeroy said, quote, our group believes this is really a yes or no vote for the new stadium. (laughs) You you had no business being there. You have no business being quoted in this. You are just a dude that likes... He's just a baseball fan, (laughs) apparently. Look, I I think the biggest thing here is people are going to either say yes or no. And that's all there is to... Fucking thanks, Jay. Thanks. That's what the article is about. We're asking for your opinion. (laughs) 
Supporters of the stadium were spending allegedly as much as $250,000 to get their message across. Large signs were on billboards, <laughs> storefront windows, and on lawns and bumpers. <laughs> I wonder who made those. I don't know. I don't know. Why is this one so fucking funny? <laughs> Needless to say, the BSE budget dwarfed that of the naysayers, which was about $1,000, respectively. Okay. Larry Bossidy was invited to speak in favor of the new park by the Chamber of Commerce, the Berkshire Visitors Bureau, and a group called Downtown Incorporated at a, quote, economic development breakfast. While outside... City Councilman Joe Guzzo, who's uh, riding or whatever, because yeah. district had Wakona Park in it. Yeah. So he's marching outside with an American flag sticking up a mast from his backpack against the new park. He's marching against the park on a 24-hour sleepless vigil. That's, that's intense. Yep. Joe was one of the three amigos, the other two being Dan Bian- Bianchi and Rick Scapin. They were the only three council councillors to vote against the civic authority, while the other eight were in staunch support. Uh, and Dave Potts, who led the petition drive, said, quote, We don't have any high-dollar backing like the new stadium proponents do. We're just a little grassroots organization, if you want to call us an organization. And it seemed like Wakona Park's fate was about to be determined in a landslide vote. And then the people voted. And in a stunning upset, the civic authority was defeated by a margin of 54 to 45. Wow. It was the largest voter turnout in memory. I was just really pumped for that 1%. That was just like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> We're not coming. <laughs> We're staying home. <laughs> Ann Leaf, the artist lady that I mentioned earlier. The elderly woman who stood... I forgot people's homes were up in this yeah. boat. Jesus yeah. Christ. Okay, this makes it so much more intense. Yeah, there's, so, there's a lot at okay. stake here. So this elderly woman who stood to lose her home under the new stadium, if it were to be built, rejoiced. Quote, this is for the people of Pittsfield. God love them. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it was a huge victory for the so-called naysayers. And it wasn't long before the Berkshire Eagle began to lament their defeat in their editorials and reprimand their own readers. <laughs> you fucking fucks. <laughs> you sons of bitches. By editor. <laughs> you stupid. And I hate you. <laughs> editorial dumb, over. Yeah. Here's what it actually said. Quote, a crippling voters have doomed a piece of downtown real estate to continued decay. The unforgivable abusive treatment of Larry Bossidy. <laughs> we should demand action from the naysayers. We await proposals from David Potts, Eugene Nato, and the rest of Anne Leaf's modern Minutemen. Miss <laughs> Leaf's analogy is a smear on the Minutemen who were not simply a destructive force of fear mongers, but were in fact nation builders. It is now the time to stop hiding behind the flag and do something difficult. Offer a recipe for positive change. Yeah. Holy. I mean, that's like... They're so mad. Yeah, they're like scolding. They're so mad. They're like, how dare you not spend this money of taxpayer money to build this minor league ballpark on our property? Yeah. 
How dare you, <laughs> you bastard! Now it's just gonna—we're just gonna leave it to rot instead, yeah. because you won't give us any money. Yeah. So how you're stupid? You're a stupid, stupid town, and we're your newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, the Eagle included quotes from dejected supporters of the new stadium. Larry Bossidy said of his horn. <laughs> Of his former Did home. they mention his, uh, you know, maybe as a little bit of... His accolades? A, well, no, no, I just... Oh, no, no. Like, yeah, it's just like, well... His uh, conflict of interest? Yeah, he's got a little conflict there. No, no. So That's what did Bossidy say? Bossidy said of his former home, quote, I thought this town was ready to say yes to something. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly say yes to me on every front. <laughs> yeah. My mom was the last person who said no to me. <laughs> Mayor Doyle cried the blues, quote, it's depressing that you could have people come into this community and offer to donate money and then have the city reject their offer, not to be bitter or anything, but I'll be interested to see what their plan is now to keep professional baseball. Yeah. He's just like pretending that he has no idea. Benton got in there and offered them some money as well. Yeah. So maybe he didn't at the time. Yeah. You know? Chairman of the Stadium Yes campaign, Edward O'Keefe, said snidely, We eagerly await the plan our opponents have to revitalize Pittsfield. We are all ears. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? We tried to build a minor league stadium. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as we know, this is all just a bunch of bullshit yeah. being put out there by the Eagle, who have a strong conflict of interest yeah. in these goings-on. But anyway, you see... Larry Bossidy actually lives in Ridgefield, Connecticut. <laughs> and hasn't called Pittsfield home for 32 fucking years. Oh, my God. And the mayor and Ed O'Keefe, as I said before, can be given the benefit of the doubt at this point, as they may not yet have heard about Plan B. But the Eagle has no excuse to make hyperbolic speculative fictions that by voting against the development of the new stadium, voters, quote, doomed a piece of downtown real estate to continue decay. Yeah, it's there. <laughs> yeah, after all, the real estate was owned by the Eagle, <laughs> and they could revitalize it as they pleased if they truly wanted to get off their wallets. Yeah. <laughs> so the day after the election, Chip called Andy Mick to talk more thoroughly about Plan B, just as he had promised, but Andy didn't answer. Chip left another message, but still no response. So on June 11th, Jim and Chip sent an open letter to Pittsfield City Council and Berkshire Sports and Events, along with copies sent to the local media, a group consisting of three Pittsfield radio stations, one public radio station in Albany, New York, two weekly newspapers, and the Berkshire Eagle. It was, as Jim put it in foul ball, time to play hardball. In their letter explaining Plan B, they focused on these points. One, economic development. Pittsfield was better served spending the $18.5 million earmarked for the new ballpark on a new indoor arena and letting them preserve Wakona Park at no cost to the taxpayer. Two, marketing. They'd make improvements to Wakona Park and create a must-see entertainment experience at a nationally promoted historic ballpark. Three, long-term lease. They would bring an independent league team to Pittsfield for the 2002 season. Four, independent leagues and their merits as the AA-level North 
Northern and Atlantic leagues play a better brand of baseball than the Class A New York Penn League. Absolutely. Five, local ownership, where they'd sell stock to local residents, which would provide them team continuity and stability rather than a musical chairs game of teams and owners. Well, I mean, yeah, they, they've already have. First of all, they already have two more points than the other group did. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and, yeah. and they're much stronger points. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other ones are just—they're not even points. They're just trying to scare people. Yeah. Number six. Oh my God. Hockey. Yeah. If a new arena is built with the money earmarked, then they could provide a professional hockey team as well. Okay. And finally. Credentials, which we talked about very early on in the episode, their All Berkshire partnership provides a strong set of managerial, promotional, and financial skills. You got the banker guy, you got the the, the team owner guy. He's already got a bunch of teams, and you got the famous baseball player. Guy. Yeah. So as I said, this goes public on June 11, two thousand one, and then on June twelfth, Chip receives a phone call. It's Andy Mick. And he sounds irritated. What's this? He asked. (laughs) Time for plan B. I told you we'd be calling. So what do you think of our proposal? We'd like your support, Chip said in return. Andy paused and said, it's not my decision. The guy you have to convince is my boss in Denver. Chip, who had done his research, asked Dean Singleton, who was the CEO of Media News Group. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll see what he wants to do. I'll be traveling on business. I'll call you back and we'll talk again. Andy said. Now, as Jim wrote in his book, quote, it must have been a long business trip because Andy never called us back. (laughs) And strangely, the Eagle did not print Plan B, our revolutionary plan to change the balance of power between a city and its baseball team. And at this point, Jim Bouton never wanted to take no for an answer. The bulldog that could never back down a man whose town had, quote, an historic ballpark soon to be abandoned, a government that ignores its citizens, and a newspaper at war with its readers, the curious involvement of General Electric, and the shots being called by a guy in Denver, decided it was about time that he began taking notes. <laughs> so I, I could go into a lot more detail about that story because that's obviously not like the resolution of that story. But no. I've already talked for an hour. You have. In the lead up of all the bullshit that is, was going on in the Berkshires in 2001 regarding Wakona Park. Well, if you want to know that whole story, you can read like a 500-page book called Foul Ball by Jim Bouton. Yes. And maybe one day you know, we'll try to compress that into you know, a more you know, streamlined story. Yeah. But, you know, there was no way I was going to be able to do that in, in the no, time no, frame no, that no. I just, had. Just but even presenting that referendum and the ridiculousness of that situation is like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it's clear that there, there's, there's obviously more to that story. There's something, there's something up with the involvement of General Electric and, and, and you know, something to do with the land. Like, it's yeah, just... It's just you know, a weird, like situation all around but that. but it's an example uh, of you know what it basically was just trying to to shed some light on is that you know is it, it was a small town situation of what we see in major league baseball all the time with with you know yeah with teams and organizations holding you know local governments 
you know, over a barrel. Absolutely. By threatening them with, with the loss of their their entertainment or their ball club or whatever you call Baseball it. Baseball is leaving yeah. this town and yeah. it'll there's no You'll other... never see it again. Yeah. Well it's gone. It's gone. Well I I it's it's really funny how we uh we kind of uh we kind of track uh parallels uh in, in our when we when we tell each other stories too. So this was this was fucking a barrel of laughs. Uh, this was amazing. This was uh, a really good time, and uh, I, I definitely uh, will will look in and, and read more. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, I'm, I have a similar. Uh, you know, we're gonna record some more stories, and I got one uh, along the same okay, well, same I'm, lines I'm of ex- this one. I'm excited to hear that. But yeah, I just wanted to to also, you know, I think I kind of mentioned it a minute ago, but just. I mean, just kind of directing people towards this book. It's a great book. Yeah. It's 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 a really interesting read of all this bullshit that goes on. It's like local politics that like yeah. You know, it, it, if you've read Ball Four, it won't surprise you that Jim Bouton decided to get involved in this shit. But oh, you know, I can't I, believe I encourage that you to that's... go and read that book. So. Yeah, I can't believe that was just the start of it. That was well. I mean, I, I appreciate you putting that together. Uh, I love the story. Uh, loved riffing on it. That's some fucking crazy shit, man. <laughs> um, okay, until next time. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Doing Baseball. I'm at Sean Do Baseball. I'm at Ed's Do Baseball. Uh, we are on Instagram at Doing Dot Baseball. Uh, TikTok at Doing Baseball. And uh, no matter what, no matter where, no matter who. Uh, give us a follow, give us a rating, uh, give us a review. Reviews are great. Um, but until next time, we'll be bringing you some baseball history. Uh, two loons, always enjoy responsibly. And I'm Sean. Be of legal drinking age. Yes, yes, of course. And I'm Sean. And I'm Eds. And we were doing baseball. Thanks so much. Okay, bye. Bye.